And my first thought was like, God damn, Taylor, back off. And I'm like, man, Mitch needs to hear this. This is Beers with Hulls. Threats, Beers, and Hulls of Hulls. Welcome or welcome back. This is Beers. Welcome or welcome back. This is Beers with Talos, episode 110. I am joined, as usual, by Joel Essler. Craig, the Hammer Williams, and Matt Olney. How you guys doing? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Oh no, it all checked out. I had no reason why. I had no idea why he was called the Hammer, but I'm fine. Neither, with it. it makes sense. I mean, that's what threw me. I'm like, what did I do? What does he know about? You know what you did. <laughs> you know what you did. We were just talking about it on Twitter. Uh, you could have yeah. ended network forensics as we know it. That's awesome. To be fair, tell the tell the people what you did. Okay. To be fair, I'm pretty sure Mike could have written that book at this point. But yes, I um, inadvertently made an extended loan from Mike Hall with his TCP IP Illustrated Volume Two and his Stevens Unix uh, Network Programming Books Volume One and Two when we moved from Buildings Three to Building Two in Austin 15 years ago. Sorry, Mike. Mike for, for those of you, for those of you, who, and there's no reason that you would know this. Mike's Mike's a, a very humble guy. Uh, Mike Hall wrote the code that runs when you right-click TCP follow stream in Wireshark, which every one of you have done in your life. He kind of needs I'm, that book, Craig. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Like, it's very important that we keep him grounded in fundamentals yeah. and always thinking of new things. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he had help, but he also wrote like a lot of the normalization stuff for like the Cisco intrusion prevention system, and I think the firewalls. So. Yeah, he's made some contributions. I bet he's referenced it once or twice. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to start today the same way we start every episode. We are going to go around the table. Joel, you're up first. What's well, going well, on, I man? I'm up first. Why am I up first? Because uh, I picked you. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I. God, work has been just on top of me for like the past couple weeks since we've last recorded, just with budgets and uh, head count and, you know, all of the boring stuff that comes with being a manager. Like it's just been up to my neck and, and that type of stuff. So it's, you know, we're, we're planning like three new projects all at the same time. So it's just more of the same. Everything's great. And, uh, we're rolling out new features and, and, you know, looking for the long term there, but yeah, I'm just, I feel like I'm just swimming in, in meetings and notes right now. So I'm just trying to keep my, trying to keep my life straight by taking the copious notes of things and referencing them later. But it's always, so. it's always like that this time of year in Cisco land. Right. So it, it yeah, yeah, it's, it's beginning of the next fiscal end of year, year, beginning of year. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yep. it's a cycle. It absolutely is. But it just, it just seems like, you know, every three, it, I, <laughs> to me, everything's in a three month cycle. Like every three months, it's like, okay, I'm like planning a, like meetings for like the next week and then, you know, three months of development. So. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, you mean quarterly? <laughs> yeah. But weird. <laughs> weird how that lines up. Okay. Good point. Thank you. I don't think, I don't Hammer, think of it quarterly. What's on your mind today? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it is quarters. I think it's just three months sprints. It's every three months sprints. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is four equal periods of time that make up an entire year. I, I don't think of it as quarters at all. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mitch, you said this, 
But Joel said this. <laughs> the guys on the YouTube feed are cracking up right now. That's a funny joke. <laughs> Matt, what's on your mind? Taylor Swift needs to stop. That's what my story is. Wait, Bro. wait hold on. Taylor, what was she doing yesterday no, on Twitter? Taylor Swift has come directly at me. She is, she is, is, there's no mistaking it. Her, her new collaboration tell. with Big Red Machine is an unacceptable assault on my high school through early 30s. Explain, please. So it's it's a song called Renegade. Um, she features on this on this on the song that's that's principally by Big Red Machine. But her the chorus of this song and Mitch, I'm about to blow your mind. The chorus <laughs> of the song is. Is it insensitive for me to say, get your shit together so I can love you? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, damn, Taylor. Look, she's got priorities and she's hitting. And what I also know is Taylor has just said that to like hundreds of millions of, I don't know how many, of like angsty teen, early 20s men. Who are completely like, oh, that is, that's not me. That's not me. That's not me. And we're all like, no, that's <laughs> no, you, dude. Just so you know. Get you know <laughs> your shit together. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious what unique ways my wife is going to sneak this song to me in a playlist or something as soon as she hears <laughs> it, if she has it. Matt, Matt like, has just sent the text to Deb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there was definitely two stages to the first time I listened to it. Like, I'm in the car. And, Does and she really just say that? And I'm like. And my first thought was like, God damn, Taylor, back off. And I'm like, man, Mitch needs to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (sighs) No, I probably will. I'm sure I will. Hey, before we jump into it, today we're going to talk about uh, the most commonly seen vulnerabilities uh, of the last year or so. And before we dig into that, we have a a good list that we want to work through uh well that i just lost <laughs> so we have a uh Ooh, we have a, a good list post. uh from the national Cybersecurity center uh and the australian Cybersecurity center that did a joint venture together put this paper out uh with the top routinely exploited vulnerabilities that we have seen in the last year but before we get into that uh because we have a good bit of of content we'd to like to there, invite you to, to share like and subscribe Go ahead and Ring click that, that bell, bell please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Visit our Patreon. <laughs> we accept Venmo. And tip jar. Apparently. <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> no, before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about yesterday. We had a little, we had more than a little bit of fun yesterday. We had a lot of fun yesterday uh, taking over the Cisco Twitter handle uh, for a few hours in the <laughs> afternoon. And I don't know about you guys. I mean, of course I was a little nervous about, you know, we had everything set up, planned out. We kind of knew how everything was going to go. It was going to be a good time. Um, I was a little nervous and like what replies we would get back and things like that. But the one that really puckered my butt <laughs> was when we got retweeted by the CEO. Yeah. <laughs> that was a surprise. Like, oh, he actually is time. seeing that. That was. Yeah. When they, when they came, they came to Mitch and I with this idea 
of like, hey, we want to hand over the the Cisco Twitter account to the Beers with Talos folks. I was like, there's no way we're saying no to this. Like, <laughs> no. we're going to plan this out and it's going to be well, great. And the second no response way. was, there's no way they've actually yeah, listened to this podcast. The response, yeah. <laughs> that is a hundred percent true. Like, <laughs> I don't know how many people have been like, even Chris, Chris told the story the other day where like right. a sales guy was like, oh, I love with the Beers with Talos app, you know, podcast and chris yep. was like whoa what, what episode is your favorite He's like oh i don't listen to it right you're like <laughs> <laughs> you like so, so you like the concept of the concept. it like, yeah yeah so they i like, love the fact that it like exists a, i don't waste my time yeah. actually consuming it but the fact that it's there. aware that it exists aware that it has millions of downloads uh you know aware that it has four people on it who are used to talking in public like yeah yeah that's what we want and we're like and i think what we have to do what you need to do when you talk to annette next craig be like, <laughs> can you write a waiver for us that makes them swear that they want beers with Talos and not just Talos? That's a, <laughs> good, call. That's yeah. a good call. I just think we need to make an informed consent waiver. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have listened to the podcast. I know what yeah. that yeah. F I'm getting into. Needs to be, I, I'm telling you, a little checkbox right there. I mean, on the do we want to go form? straight to the severance details yeah, yeah, in the agreement yeah. or is that too full? <laughs> <cool? laughs> <laughs> That, that first meeting with marketing was, it was funny. They kind of had to come around to us, I think, is is how it was. Because it was essentially like yeah. oil and water. Like, we're like, here's our ideas. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> you said you wanted beers with tallows. I don't understand. It's why like we that have time when you haven't gone in your kid's room in a week and then you go up there to help them like hang up clothes and you open the door and you're just like, what the f? the funny part is like it's is that they didn't they came around to us when it went live right some of them to be fair i think it was i think i think it was sophie sophie i think came around about midway through a little bit earlier yeah yeah haven't you guys ever heard about boiling a frog i mean that's all it took (laughs) it was just funny like when they when they uh, when it went live and they saw like all the engagement they were like Oh, this is really cool. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, I don't yeah. understand any of this, but I like the people. <laughs> the first purely positive feedback that we got definitely came after the metrics came back. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think I think everybody thought it was great. If you looked in the um, in some of the marketing channels, I mean, people loved it while yep. it was happening. Like a lot of the marketing people were like definitely thinking it was it was great and fun times. Uh, when the numbers came back is when they. I think you're right, Matt. Like, really, like, oh, wow, that's 40% more engagement than we ever get on this channel. 54%. On average, on average, on average, on average. So, so yeah. So, if you got it, if you, uh, if you took the time to respond to any of our things or get involved in the shenanigans, thank you very much. Um, It was a, are we going to address? I would say that was an exhausting four hours. Of, uh, <laughs> like, I was on Twitter for four straight hours, like, constantly refreshing, finding new things, dealing with, well, here's a response and here's a response and trying to coordinate <laughs> everything. I had done with that. I'm like, I'm, I'm more exhausted than I've been in a number of work days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. You, you really need to use a client that's like built for a Twitter chat. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I used Edge with the Twitter web client. <laughs> yeah. You're so, a brave yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> It worked out. It worked out. I can't believe nobody called us out on the uh, 
the sled with the sequel injection and then the no ups afterwards. I thought for sure oh. somebody would be like, what are you doing? I'm what? so glad. Was <laughs> it you? I, there was definitely a tweet I responded to earlier, early about it. And I was like, this is absolute nonsense. We we know it's nonsense. Oh, yeah, if you yeah, know, yeah. I retweeted that. If you know that. what we're talking about, then you're probably angry at this faux Hollywood attack. I feel <laughs> like, like there we were like maybe bullshit. seven people on Twitter at that point that got it. I don't know. That uh, So that's the opening tweet. That was by far the best performing tweet of the day. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll tell you, as, as an aside, the thing that yeah. I love about um, the... That's also the one Chuck retweeted. That's also the one Chuck retweeted, so yeah. that definitely helped. So. Um, but the second best performing one was actually the Stevens textbook uh, yeah. post, which yeah. I personally take an enormous amount of, it's not pride, but like just happiness out of <laughs> that that the the adoration I have for that man and his work is shared by so many of the other nerds of the world and we were all able to get together for a little bit and celebrate him uh that was awesome yeah i got a lot of private feedback too that people were like oh that's how i started out my infosec job (laughs) yeah it's like i could tell so for those for anybody who does well i don't know why anybody would know um actually matt wrote most of the tweets that we were using uh in that in that little shenanigans almost all of them Pretty much yeah. all of them, yeah. I mean, the, uh, the only thing that Matt didn't really write, I think, was I mean, there was, was like two I by think Joel, Joel wrote, two by Joel that had, had, had his hot takes on it. Yeah. Things I'm still angry yeah. about to this day. And you wrote yeah. the intro pieces. <laughs> Everything else was Matt, um, but Matt, I could tell when he like when he sent the original draft over, I could tell that Steven's textbook one was his favorite yeah. one. He really he really liked that. <laughs> one. So I'm glad that one like really went over well and like proved out your theory there. That for, was for that people was who don't know the reason infosec people like Stevens is because it walks three people through TCP and IP and how everything works very clearly with examples and pictures and little pointers for the indexes and it makes it all much easier to understand and everything's in one place. You don't have to read RFCs like if you grew up before those existed, you were reading like, I don't know, 200 page documents uh, like in notepad because there weren't any good editors back then or, or like on a web page. Mm-hmm. And when the Stevens books came out, they were like affordable. Everything was in one place. The print was a good size. The pictures were great. They were bound. They were hardcover. Just perfection from a reference I, standpoint. I actually remember at one point during the beginning of my InfoSec career when I was still working for the government of reading that book, laying in bed, reading that book and falling asleep, reading it. (laughs) And my wife was like, what are you reading? And I was like, Oh, I'm reading uh, the structure of the TCP header and UDP headers. And she was like, Never mind. <laughs> Why don't you get your shit together so yeah. I can love you? Is that what you said? <laughs> the, uh, the, there was a period where I had, I spent a good couple of months just tearing into the snort HTTP yeah. preprocessor. Yes, and I yes had, you did. I, had, I remember those days. I had the Stevens book open on one side of the desk, like just an almost infinite number of PCAPs. And just, I opened more bugs in that period to the point where I actually bought the HG, the, the lead dev on the HTTP processor, like a little house plant as an apology. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's like four more bugs. And it's like, it was like super obscure stuff, but like that super obscure stuff, like at some point comes out and bites you. Right. So yeah, that's one of oh, yeah. I mean, all on the edge cases. It's funny right? you say that. I did the same thing with our old engine with uh, Blaine Kubish, man. I uh, found some bugs, <laughs> <laughs> but did you buy him a house yeah. plant? 
I think I took him out to uh, that little Mexican food place. You son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> There is a point. There is a point where you feel like you're like I am being very unfair to this person. They're just trying to live their life, and I'm like, you're off by one. And here I am, just like, beating on them. <laughs> Death by a thousand. Oh, there guys. was there was one when I actually felt bad, but like you know, you got to do the right thing for the customer. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day. So today, no, what we actually want to talk about are the top routinely exploited vulnerabilities. Uh, and this is actually coming from a document that was put out by CISA in cooperation with the Australian Cybersecurity Center, uh, the UK's National Cybersecurity Center, as well as the FBI. So these joint, uh, joint cybersecurity advisory, as they call it, outlines the major top vulnerabilities uh, that were targeted in 2020 and that had been disclosed I believe it was in the, in the two years surrounding it. So since 2018, um, no, and through, they're, they're, tracking they're, through these the COVID are the pandemic. Because there's some back to 2012. Matt, you brought yeah. this up as something that uh, would, would be of interest. And when I started going through the documentation, there is some interesting things in here. So I want to let you kind of set this up a little bit more and uh, tell us how you want to go through it. So, yeah, so this is the second time that CISA has done this. Um, I think... They need to do it some more to get it right. Like, it's a very confusing document to read um, in my mind. Like, unless you unless you are just like, I'm just going to collect all these CVEs and just make sure that they're all patched, which, by the way, would be a very reasonable way to approach this document. That's, that's yep. a great way to use this document. Um, but <laughs> but um, so, like, they published this last year, what they called, it was AA2133A, the top 10 routinely exploited vulnerabilities. Um, and they gave like two sets of top tens in that one, one for 2016, 2019, and then one from for just 2020. And I guess I'd preface it by saying the big change in my like generic recommendations over the past few years has been some version of pay attention. Like so like <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah. Well, but but what I mean by that is is. If you give the default set of recommendations, you can be very heads down and be like, okay, I have to patch and I have to have firewalls and I have to segment right, and, right. and I have to have backups and they have to be, you know, offline and I have to, right? But if you do that that way where you're, where you're solely looking inward, you're going to miss a ton of prioritization data that would help you get where you need to be faster. And this is a version of that. Like, and, and it kind of stems from the very repetitive nature of instant response in ransomware incidents where you're like, okay, we've seen this before. Um, this is how they do it. This is what their, their manual is. This is what their, their process is. These are the phones they use. Um, and if I could be like, Hey world, all these are the, these are the current in use phones. Um, these are the first things you need to do. Like if you're not patching these then you're in big trouble, everything else is, is secondary. I think that's really useful. And I think this, the CISA document is really interesting in that I'm not sure it lines up with necessarily everything that we would say are the top vulnerabilities necessarily. But and I had to go back and read the 2021. So in 2020, they said that this was, um, this is for, Vulnerabilities exploited by sophisticated foreign cyber actors. Um, 
which which when you look at the list in that view, it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, whereas um, that language is absent this time, so I'm not sure what the yeah. set is that they're working off of. Um, so that that would be interesting, whether they're pulling from all observed, you know, things, things observed just in government, things that are just from high profile cases, things just from sophisticated actors. Um, One of the things I actually did notice in the um, newer document uh, was that they they broke down, they kind of made the the tables a little bit bigger in terms of recommended mitigations, which remarkably, I, I think every single one of those says, make sure you're running the current version. <laughs> Check your patch. Yeah, there was a couple <laughs> things in there that I was like, uh, it's like the same recommendation. It just tells you kind of the attack footprint, but we'll get, I think we'll get there. Well, that, yeah. And, but one of the things it did mention in um, most of them, not all of them, but most of them was the campaigns or actors that had been observed to yeah. use this particular vulnerability with any kind of regularity. And matching that, the 2020 list that you just referenced, uh, most of the ones that are the same, if you look through them, they say that, you know, this was uh, leveraged by a, a nation state APT in large-scale you know, surveillance or large-scale espionage uh, attacks or things like that. So he did note that somewhat in the newer list, yeah. uh, but not to the point of how they called yeah. it out in the previous list, like you mentioned. So the, there's one thing that it was a common thread between a bunch of them in the 2021 document. Um, and I think it's in the 2020 document as well. But the, in the 2021 document, um, you know, a lot of the recommendations or it's under detection methods for those of you playing along at home um, is link in the show notes notes, is that a lot of the attack methodology, or at least like the, the, uh, the, the follow on attack was like, Hey, these attackers are going to leverage this vulnerability and install um, a web shell, right? A web backdoor. And uh, you know, while some of the detection methods, um, you know, like the exchange one and there's stuff in here around um, the, like the pulse secure thing. Um, and then there's, there's the Fortinet stuff. And like, so like a lot of these are very easily detectable by uh, what is, you know, a lot of the things that we grew up with, with, you know, or we made our bread and butter on, which was, uh, you know, IDS, IPS is uh, easily detect some of these, right? They're not like escalation privileges, things like that. They're RCEs, but, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that a lot of these things, not only can you detect the initial um, attack vulnerability uh, method, but you can also detect um, the follow on, which is like the web shells and things like that. And so like all of the web shells that are linked here and are, are say, you know, go look for these like stuff like C99, the China chopper stuff, the WSO stuff, the R57 stuff. All of that type of stuff is is pretty easily detectable. And like, for instance, we have rules in our rule set that detect all of them uh, for inbound and outbound. But like, uh, it just goes to show you, like, there's a lot, you know, there's obviously a lot of overlap with the follow-on, uh, you know, what they're going to do once you are exploited, what are they going to do next? You know, what's stage two? And so I think in like four or five of these, there's like, how do you mitigate web shells? How do you mitigate web shells? How do you mitigate web shells? I think I think what like the 
Like I have like all of my like like look for for you that are the end users, yeah. um, just go patch all this shit. Yeah, <laughs> it should be top one. of your list. <laughs> it should be the top of your list. Um, if you're not, it's probably just like malpractice. Like these, the government has said made a little list for you. Like these are things you absolutely need to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, so do that. All of my like most of my thoughts <sighs> are really about like feedback to CISA actually, and I know that there there are some folks at CISA that listen to to this podcast. Um, and I I love this, I love this concept. Um, like this uh, is what we're saying. This is what you should go for. Like, yeah, right off the bat. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, whenever whenever um, like so for example in our ransomware task force discussions, um, there's there's always a component of policymakers. Who are like, oh, well, we need to, we need better reporting, so we need to require companies to report. And I'm like, and then, then what? Do you yeah, do what are you going to do with the information? Right. After? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. like, because they never talk about that. Right. And so, if you report into a law enforcement organization, that data will usually be classified as law enforcement, you know, pursuant to an investigation, and that will never be used, you know, outside of law enforcement for the right. most part. Um, not, not exclusively, like, like they do like certain things, but, but like the kind of the default sort of way that information is used. If, yeah. however, you route that information through, uh, a civilian, um, uh, agency like CISA, then that, that, that information can also be passed to law enforcement and the, the submitters can be routed to the correct form of law enforcement for their problem. But CISA can then start to begin tallying, okay, here's what was used. Here's was the vulnerabilities and here was the, the the lateral movement and here was the intent and i think the like just the best thing that 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 cisa can do in terms of of helping practitioners is this sort of work um is to clearly call out these this is the big this is the big set like if you if you if you're looking at your problem set and i know some i know some folks are they're like i just literally don't know what to do next like that problem is so big you're like right here these things go do these things yeah um, and the same thing for I, I and what I would advise CISA to do if they could is to look for top routinely used lateral movement techniques. Like yep. this is these are the Good tools point. in the wild that we use. And this is, you know, how, you know, like these are the, the components because there's so many like like it can be very frustrating to talk to an information security professional sometime about to, like like especially an offensive minded one about um, defense because you'll be like, OK, I'm going to do this. Well, I just do that. Yeah, yeah, but but if I do this, it'll block this thing. Right. Yeah, but then you can do this and this and this and this. And you're like, yeah, uh, cool, thanks for your input, but right now, <laughs> nothing is blocking this, right. and so I'm gonna do this. Um, and so having like real world, like there's a ton of of possibility space in defense. This helps bring it into focus. Like, all right, there's all things that are possible. Right now, this is what you need to focus on. And if you're in, if you're a mature enough organization that you don't need this, then then God bless you, and go forth. But there's a lot of groups out there that could use like just a little bit of a roadmap to be like, this is where you need to go. Yeah, I think even for the mature organizations, though, this is still a great reference to make sure mm-hmm. you were thinking correctly mm-hmm. and verify your own data against. Yeah, so I think there's there's two points there. Um, number one is uh, which leads to number two, but number one is. Um, ADHD just kicked in and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Do we have an ADHD train whistle? <sighs> no, we, we had one and we lost it. I don't know where it went. 
But I've got this duck. (laughs) (laughs) So point number two, so point number two, which will remind me of point number one, (laughs) I hope when I say it out loud, is point number two is it doesn't state, or at least I missed it if it does state in here, how this information was collected. And so ah, I remember point one. So, uh, <laughs> so see, it worked. So it doesn't state how it doesn't state how the information was collected. Um, and so I assume it's like you know, if, you know, IR engagements or investigations that the FBI did or NCSC did or whatever. And and so like that's 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 great. Like I'm I'm glad that this is. But what I'm saying is this is coming out of real world telemetry of some kind, whether it be human mm-hmm. telemetry or automated telemetry, which is great. Because that, to, to Matt's point, which is point number one, my point number one, which was this is different from uh, scoring, right, of like CVSS, right? CVSS is, you know, how important this vulnerability is and how it affects you. It, which is funny because my thought is, who gives a shit? Right. Like, so, like I don't care yeah. if CVSS has never heard of this vulnerability. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. Right. I can point to like, like, this bad guy yeah. used this thing to do all these things. Well, and that's, that's so... my point, right? right? That's my point. Is <laughs> I don't care what the score is. And so I, I've met organizations and I've worked with organizations that are focused on we need to patch critical uh, CVSS scored, you know, things that have like this, this, this score, this, these particular traits. RCEs come first, that, that, that kind of thing. And so I've worked with organizations that will, and that's a great first pass, like, if, if this is the things we're going to prioritize, that's fine. But then things like this come along that actually show you, you know, hey, there's stuff other than critical, which was my the point yep. I was trying to make. There's stuff other than critical that is being exploited in the wild. And it has made this list of like, oh, my God, these are the things that you need to worry about. And so when you look at this list, while it may not fit into your magical, I need to go patch the CVSS uh, scoring matrix uh, you know, diagram that I've laid out in my company. Um, you know, these are obviously the things being used. And what I would like to see, or at least spelled out a little bit more explicitly, is how did this information come to be? Right? Was this mm. through IR? Was this through IPS alerts? Was this through uh, you know uh, follow-on investigation? Was it you know that whatever? I, I don't care. Like all the different things it could be, but I would like to see a little bit more information because that would also highlight, like, yes, this. This was routinely exploited. And the reason that we know that, <laughs> right, is because of, and there yeah, are notes in here that I say. I don't think you're going to get that, to be honest. No, I, no, Just, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm looking but back I at in, the. I live uh, in this perfect world over here where information is, you know, freely accessible. You've and, lived yeah. in this world. You know we're never going to get that. I'm just checking back There's comments in here that like, hey, we've seen this used by a threat actor. Right. And that, and that, so obviously we know where that stuff came from, but, um, but I, you know, I would like to see a little bit more highlight on like, this was found by doing on-site investigation or this was found by network telemetry, whatever. Right. Like you, you can abstract it two or three layers and just be generalistic yeah. about it. I'm but. passingly, I'm passingly interested in that information, but I don't know that it necessarily really, I don't think it. I don't think it provides a ton of context that's necessary for. I, I am curious though. Do you value that more or the CVSS score? <laughs> I value that more me? than the CVSS score. Yeah, I feel I like I value you- the CVSS score more. That's interesting because because then I get well because then I can cause problems right with you. Know, I can go over to uh, 
and go over to Kenna and be like, hey, talk shit about <laughs> <Yeah>. your CVSS score. <laughs> <laughs> Just slap it down and be like, here. Yeah. Nah, yeah. So I'm super excited to have those guys on board, by the way. Yeah, that, that's going to be conversation, That was a great opening introduction conversation the other day. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's also useful to look at what... So first, I think I think I think their initial statement that these were used by by sophisticated forward actors is useful because it, it helps you yep. kind of understand. Okay, why is it so? If I look at Citrix, Pulse, Fortinet, F five, you know, you're like, okay, I kind of get a sense that yep. these are network facing, uh, Telerik kind of things, and then you know you see like Microsoft, which you expect to see, mm -hmm. um, Atlassian and Drupal could be forward facing or could be internal. Like it kind of gives you a sense when you look at these at, at kind of like what and those were those were 2020 focused stuff. Um, what is actually kind of principally in front of the adversary as well? Like where do I like because that that way if you get a pulse phone that comes out next week, you're like okay these guys have spent significant amount of time developing exploits for pulse, so their exploit development time for a net new pulse phone is probably lower than it would be on average than something else. So I am going to accelerate my pulse um, patching over something that I've, you know, something else that I know that they're maybe right. not focusing on. So that's it. It's useful to look at this kind of like from a context rich and not just a data point by data point sort of thing. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think the other thing to realize too is that in addition to just the exploit dev time spinning up, it also means they have all the tool chains and everything to spread mm -hmm. as well. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't even think of that. That's a great point. People should definitely consider that. The one that drives me nuts in this list is the is the path transversal one. Uh, Wait, you know, how did you say it? Hold on, hold on, back up. Transversal. A traversal. Yeah, like I'm in your sorry. car when you get a great <laughs> social mixed up. He's a car dude, dude. I do what yeah. he <laughs> I, I was just waiting for him to connect it. <laughs> no, it's... Yes. The, the only reason that drives me nuts is like this slash dot, dot, slash, dot, dot, slash, dot, dot, slash. And there's a billion different versions of this, right? You could Unicode encode it. You could, you know, you, you encode it. You could do all the, so like the, the part that drives me nuts about this is like the first time I think we ever really saw this, you guys could correct me if I'm wrong, is like the Nimda worm back in the day. Or Code Red, like one of those two that really like did some, you know, uh, Microsoft IIS directory. Code Red stuff. sounds right. Like, dude, do you remember like the encoding bugs where like yeah. they had installed the coders in a way that they could be stacked so you could like double encode and double decode? Yeah, and that, the, and that's, the, that's what I'm talking about, right? Like, and, yeah. and so like there's entire portions of the store HTTP preprocess that do nothing but normalize that down. Yeah. Right? And so like, and it's insane. Like it's, it's just, that's the part that kind of drives me nuts is like that. I'm trying to remember when, when was that? 2001, 2002, 2003 timeframe-ish. And it was when, I, when I was in college. So yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like, I remember watching that stuff live, you know, when I was working, when I was in the army and it was just like, I mean, looking at this, like there's the Citric next scaler is directory traversal. Yep. The Pulse Secure VPN ones, directory traversal, the four, which tells you, if, if you've ever dabbled in VolnDev, <laughs> is that there's a lab somewhere with a whole shit ton of network gear and just a whole bunch of dot, dot, slash, dot, dot, slash, yep. dot, dot, slash. How far down can we go? Yeah. Yeah. 
It's, I mean, that's that's what. There's no way for me to prove it, but that's certainly like the first thing that kind of stands out to me is like, well, somebody has somebody has a type. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's fuzzing directory traversal. Yeah, that that drives me nuts because it just seems like, man, this is 20 years old at this point. Are we still coding this? That's funny. We saw. I saw. I'm not going to the exact uh, quote, but someone who has an interesting view in the universe was complaining <laughs> about uh it was craig wasn't it now someone i just it was like a conspiracy theory thing but someone preventing people from being able to use the tcp ip stack like that was like the core of the message which yeah it, it was like i said but i just thought to myself i'm like yeah anybody can write themselves a stack everybody has and they've all gotten it wrong. <laughs> every time. Yeah. Every time, man. File under rolling your yeah. own crypto. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> oh, it's not even that. Like, the, again, back to Stort, there's entire sections of the stream preprocessor do absolutely nothing but normalize different TCP session overlaps. Like and I bet, <laughs> I bet if we go back uh, and look at bugs in Snort, there's mm-hmm. a ton in that part of it like that, that, have been, that have been gone through and fixed. Not just because... It's yep. super hard. Like, you know, it's just I, I, Why did Joel just have a face like, oh shit, I knew I oh, forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I right off the top like, of my <laughs> head. I remember what off the top of my head than the frag free preprocessor of, of uh, you know, uh, the reassembly. It was in, done in UDP. I remember one. I, yeah. Was, Craig, you actually had, I think you had actually suggested a tweet that was sort of along these lines. Uh, on the mic, uh, talking about the Microsoft's uh, predilection for, uh, um, segmentation of all of their protocols. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like RPC and stuff. I great. love our friends at Microsoft. <laughs> Let me preface this with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I did a lot of work on this. Like literally the first four years of my career, all I did was evade network security devices. Um, and wow. So like effectively TCP fragmentation works like you would expect. Like pretend you have a loaf of bread and you cut it into little pieces. You can put them all together. Let's pretend they're indexed, right? And so there's like one through 10. Only the problem Let's is... Let's pretend they're indexed. <laughs> the problem is they can arrive out of order, right? So like mm. then you have to reassemble often them. Well, do. Yeah. yeah, it turns out some operating systems don't assemble things the same way. So then you're left with, well, was it going to a Windows machine or like an OSX machine or a Linux box? Because they might mm-hmm. all do it differently. Uh, and you don't know. So you get to assemble that in all the ways, maybe. Or you can force the ambiguity out of the stream, which is what most people do. Then you're left with the problem of, okay, so now I have all the loaf of bread and I know how I'm going to put it together in the unambiguous form. Oh, shit, there's three that say three. <laughs> which which one do I keep and which ones do I drop? And if I reassemble them differently or pick different ones, is one of them going to combine an attack and the other two are benign? Uh, and the reason people line this up like that is to f- trick an intrusion prevention system, right? Um, you know, if you take out the pieces that have the attack and offer two pieces that don't, well, maybe the, uh, the assembly will assemble it in the benign way, then two with the portions of the attack will go through because alone, they're not the attack. They just look like out-of-sequence packets. And then when it gets to the Windows machine or whatever, it gets reassembled in a way where they go together. 
Okay, that's the most simplistic example I can yeah. give you. It's so and much that's worse. Only now, one, that's hold only, on, that's one. That's yeah. only at layer three. Right. <laughs> it gets so much worse. Then. <laughs> Wait, th- this is bread still? <laughs> and then somebody at Microsoft. Imagine you have one of those red crates where you have multiple breads on it. Yeah. And the order the breads matter. So yeah. Microsoft built a bread factory. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's a brilliant. I love it. It's I think actually, this whole metaphor yeah. has gone awry. Uh, suffice to say, uh, Microsoft carried that idea forward to SMB and then to MSRPC. And then, like, there's even the more DCE things. RPC. Yeah, that's what and- I mean by MSRPC. And then, like, it's even worse because then you have SMB commands and channels and you can bind the MSRPC stuff to certain interfaces, but you can include like 10 interfaces and then switch in between them with alter context, which completely invalidate a vulnerability and allow you to basically take a stream that was benign and make it malicious, like a hundred megs into the stream, which, I mean, it can evade most security devices. Um, so, so you have to basically... We were, it's, we, it, I was I, at... I think, I think Joel was there too, but I was at Snort the day... Um, at Sourcefire, the day they introduced the DC RPCP processor into yeah. store, <laughs> yeah. it cut our rule set by like 80%. <laughs> <laughs> well, just before, just, before just we had normalized that. everything for us. Yeah, before we had the DC RPC preprocessor, I think we had to write, had what, 93 script. rules for one vulnerability? We had a script that essentially <laughs> did the DC RPC process in reverse and then made all the obfuscated yep. versions of it. We had, uh, we had Kirby Keel. I don't know if you guys know him. He wrote Win Fingerprint, and uh, he was writing the engine over at Cisco. And man, me and him on the beta, oof. <laughs> Lots of hours, fun times. Uh, like uh, if we could do an entire podcast on just this we, thing, and if we do that, we're going to invite Judy Novak because there's literally nobody, <laughs> <laughs> there's literally nobody that can. And Mister Hall can things. come and get his books back. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. Hey, to be fair, I had Craig lunch with Mike like books. two weeks ago, and he didn't ask for them. I mean, he hasn't asked for them in 15 years because he didn't know about. Because you've had them for a decade and a half. <laughs> he's, bought, he's bought new <laughs> copies of them at this point. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay. I do want to, I want to wrap up on these, uh, on this document though. Uh, and Matt, you said one of the things you kind of wanted to like leave everybody with was, you know, some suggestions for how this kind of document can be used and, and could be even made yeah. better. Um, in the newest version of it, I'm going to be honest, like, especially with where they break down some of those vulnerabilities. Uh, I may steal some of that kind of like structure for like tar reports and things like that. I like the way it broke, like it put all the data into one place and kind of like with recommended mitigations, detection techniques, uh, and you know, like what versions are vulnerable and things like that. That was cool to have all that data in one spot. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I guess it depends. Like they have to figure out what the intent of their document is. Right. Because all of this data, like if this were like, this is just, I'm going to say just, it's essentially yeah. like the CVSS, you know, report, you know, for the things, which is good, what I would call filler. But like, does it, you know, does it, um, you know, does it help you, you know, make your decisions or would it be better to, to link to something like this? Like, I would rather just have like, I would love to have like one, you know, straight down chart. Like these are the, these are the, these are the CVEs and this is the links to the patches go get them champ you know kind of that kind of deal um with and and links to these tables right um Mm -hmm. yeah i i kind of worked through the the tables were the pieces that i was like man this there's uh one two and a half pages of text um some of it talking about last year's stuff and then the 
even the CVE tables, um, the tables 2 through 14 provide more details about and specific mitigations for each of the top exploited CVEs in 2020. Well, what about all the CVEs in 2021 that you list? Why aren't they in here? You're like, that's what, what happened? Did we, did we reach the time limit or did our, you know, our analysts run out of hours or did solar winds happen, which is a completely valid excuse, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so I think when I would call this for CISA, I would call this one of their key deliverable documents. Like this is like one of the major things that I want to see out of CISA is this particular document and maybe other key documents like lateral movement and stuff like that. Really nail down Ooh. the format of this document, what you're trying to What's the best way to get this information into the hands of the defenders? And you don't have to write 20 pages for it to be valid. If you get a three pager that nails the information and they can consume it in five minutes and then immediately start pivoting to, to executing on it, mm -hmm. you've done the nation a great service, right? So there's a balance there between kind of showing off that, hey, we did all this technical work. Here's all the CVE information. And then like being like, there's so much shit in here. I'm trying to figure out like, where's all the information on the 2021 CVEs? What happened? So that kind of thing, like nail that down um, and then broaden out to other other parts of the exploit chain. And I think this is fantastic work overall. I, I'm going to go into an area that makes me uncomfortable. I would really like to see them incorporate MITRE attack. They do. And what you know, what's interesting is they do wow. commonly. Um, but I would say that the MITRE attack uh would be like this mostly the same base and all these would be different subs right um because these are all initial access vectors and then they're different methodologies so they'd be different, different yeah i mean of it. my thing is if i'm a defender I, you know i want to know the way they got in i want to know the lateral movement like you mentioned um maybe like the what they're after would be useful too um and, and i feel like the intent yeah yeah, like anything they could give me around threat modeling to give me more info would be super useful. I, you know, I, I don't know that the right answer off the top of my head, I, I would have to sit and think about it for a while, but I feel like that would be useful for them to do. Like it's a thought exercise, what threat model can I provide the most data with quickly and concisely and incorporate that into this report. I think that would be super helpful. The only other thing that I would add to that is first get the, first nail down the format of the report and then also recognize that, that report can be expressed in different ways. So like maybe your website's got drop downs and some different things so that it's easy to like, you get the main information you need. And then if you need to dig in, you can dig in from there. Um, I'm working off the PDFs, but get that nailed down and then accelerate the timeline on these reports. These should be out like quarterly. Um, these should be out based on ransomware information. These should be out based on private sector information, like start gathering that information and get that information out um, at a more rapid pace than once a year. Um, is what I'd argue for. But this is exactly where I see CISA in the future, is this sort of, of whole of nation defense, sort of like everybody needs to know the following information because it's broadly applicable um, and, and people keying in on that. I'd like to see what you mentioned uh, earlier, Matt and Craig, I think you may have touched on as well. Um, broadening the scope scope of this type of reporting to not just include vulnerabilities like it's great to know what that point of ingress or that initial step initial foothold into the org was but i would love to see the the top pivot points 
uh, you know, the top pivot techniques that actors use once they establish access. Yeah. Like, and even from like each, so perhaps branching out from each vuln, like from this vuln, attackers were able to X, Y, Z, or we saw this technique. Let me play devil's advocate. To, I wouldn't tie it to the vuln and I would actually separate those like real quick. It would be like two seconds, Craig. I wouldn't tie it to the vuln because each step is actor choice. Um, and then on the, but I would make it different reports because it's, Ooh. it is different kind of pieces. So like initial vector is one problem that you need to fix. And that's largely hard outer shell stuff. Lateral movement is soft gooey center stuff. And that's, that's a whole different animal. And fixing that is very different. Like there's not a apply this patch fix to most of the living off the land binary kind of problems that we're seeing right now. Um, and so that, that, those are harder problems to fix. I would keep them separate and I would cycle them maybe even out of phase with each other. So like there's all, every month Cease is coming out with, with a document, like this month is phone month. This month is lateral movement month. This is month is intent month. Well, and the, the, the lateral movement piece is probably, I mean, that's obviously a heavy, heavily IR centric report, right? That it would have to be, yeah. you know, for, well, so here, yeah. First person answer. What response. I was going to get at is playing devil's advocate is why they may not do that. And I think Matt kind of got towards this, this soft gooey center comment is lateral movement and stuff around that. It's really uh, kind of uh, by need, right? Like, so you inhibit one part of lateral movement, they'll move to another. And so I, I think if I were CISA, I would hate to tell customers, this is how you defend yourself. And then it turns out that while that may have been true, they also had these seven other methods that you never saw. Um, so I do like Matt's point though. I think saying like, look, here's what we know about the actor. Here's the vectors they went after. Here are the types of lateral movement we have confirmed that they use, right? Um, and, and that way, at least you have a ballpark of what defensive strategies you could employ. You know it's not 100%. And unfortunately, much like everything we do, we learn new things every day and we just update our defenses as we go. Word. There you go. Joel. <laughs> there you go. There it is. All right. Before we uh, before we close it up today, I want to go back around the table, get a closing thought and a parting shot from everybody. Joel, you started us off today, so you will close it out first as well. Um, yeah. Special thanks to everybody that worked. We worked with yesterday on the uh, social media takeover. That was that was a good time, um, and uh, just enjoy the rest of. Uh, uh, pandemic lockdown because, uh, you know, we're going to be in this lockdown forever, apparently. And, uh, Delta variant can, uh, suck it. <laughs> that's, that's your most solid, Greg. like end of episode for a while. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's good stuff. Good tone setter. Love it. Craig. You know, I, I think CISA's done a great start here. I'm really happy they provided something that people should be able to take action with, and it's helpful. Uh, I think, you know, everyone should take a second to give it a read and provide some constructive feedback. One of the things I think the entire internet can work on is providing constructive feedback and not just tearing things down. <laughs> it's not perfect. Um, so I, I would encourage everyone <laughs> to actually pull it up, look at it, distribute it within your organization, and think about ways it could be improved. Think about ways that you can incorporate it and go from there. Fantastic. Matthew. Oh, we're going to cut back to Joel. It sounded thought. like he had a thought at the end there. 
no, no. When you said the internet needs to work together to be constructive, I checked out. That was done. On the list of shit that's not going to happen, 101. <clears throat> Matt, closing thought, burning shot. My favorite, I think the pivotal moment with marketing was when, when I was like, can I have the credentials to your TikTok account? And they're like, why? <laughs> and, <laughs> I forgot about this. And I was like, because security dances aren't going to dance themselves. And they were like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason you didn't get security dances is because you never gave us the, the TikTok credentials. That's right. right. <laughs> so if you'd like you to provide feedback... Them. On, on Talos not getting the TikTok credentials at KPike, <laughs> no, no, and you no. can at get your Cisco. <laughs> yeah, at Cisco. You will get right, right to the people. Please give at Talos security your TikTok password. Yeah, the you know what? That's a good point. The at Cisco people have had a hard time. Good, send them good wishes. Yeah. Tell them you listen to beers with Talos and you thank them for. Okay, for we'll 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 we, compromise here. We definitely didn't give them the easiest. So last open week. up with That's good intentions. Sure. Okay, so like two sentences. <laughs> okay. Oh, two sandwich, sandwich. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So two well, sentences about hey techniques one one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like hey, uh, my name's Brad. You know, I, I work in network security. I, I'm really excited to speak with you. I, I've come to find out that you didn't provide the Talos TikTok account to Beers with Talos. I really think you need to reconsider this course of action. Look I forward feel to speaking that was an oversight you. on your part. Yeah. <laughs> also, great work on your Twitter feed. You yeah. got to close with like you a guys good did thing. a fantastic good. job. Good thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come good, on, good, bread man! You gotta bad, put good. the bottom <laughs> slice on. Like, or is that the one you cut up earlier? I'm still so confused. I don't have. Any they actually idea. wanted me to do that on stage when we were doing a training class, and I was like, no. <laughs> it's like I can have pictures. It's just as effective. It's the most passive aggressive way to write an email. It's like good, good, bad, good. Like it's just. <laughs> Formulaic even. I want to I wanna thank everybody that was involved in that Twitter takeover. That was a lot of fun. We definitely did not take it easy on them, like in terms of... Uh, you know, I think it was more hype around, oh my God, what are these guys going to do? Than it was actually like nailing down what we're going to say. Well, and right? I honestly like, think we, we portrayed that, we like played that suspense very well in the continuum <laughs> of like, what are we going to do? I think what's amazing do? about that is, <laughs> like, look, say like, like we can go to a 10. They asked for something, and in their minds, they're like, okay, we're going to get a three. And then we were like, look, this is marketing. We can't give them a 10. No. We'll give them like a seven. Yeah. And that's still <laughs> yeah, four away from what they yeah. They were not ready. They were like, we were like, yeah. we thought we were being good. They're like, oh my God, what is happening? Yeah. We're like, yeah. why are you And panicking? that's when we found out the scale is logarithmic. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, but I do want to thank everybody that was involved with that. We did have a lot of fun. And thank you to everybody, uh, especially our listeners, that participated with that and came and had some fun with us. Uh, but until next time, uh, like, subscribe, share, leave comments. We love to see those too. And I don't know why, but it does seem to somehow help the podcast. That was, that was super good. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Kind of went a little off the hippie in there. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> All right. So, until <laughs> next time. <laughs> Bye, everybody. We'll see Bye. you. Cheers. <laughs>